It's me, Georgia, the founder of Greedy Vegan, and welcome back to another episode of Catch-Ups in My Kitchen. This podcast is about all things food, plant-based food, non-plant-based food, and everything in between. This podcast aims to discover people's food journeys and stories, because whether you are a professional in sport, work in beauty, or the food industry itself, everyone's got a story to tell. This podcast means so much to me and Greedy Vegan. So if you do enjoy this episode, please, please like, share and subscribe. I hope you're hungry as there is a lot cooking in this conversation. This week, I'm joined by Daphne, the founder of Indie Bay Snacks. The snack market is getting bigger and bigger as we are all snacking more and more. Daphne, being a snacker herself, as well as a mother, noticed that there was a gap in the market for a healthy snack that made you feel good, but also tasted good. This was at a time where obesity rate was also increasing. So Daphne, wanting to contribute to the solution, created Indie-Based Snacks, which are a pretzel-based snack baked with ancient grains such as spelt. Daphne is such a role model for any female entrepreneur, and I can't wait for you to hear her journey. We touch on some great topics such as the healthy snack market, healthy ingredients in general, meditation and journaling. I think you're going to enjoy this. Daphne, before we start, please could you give us a 30 second elevator pitch on who you are and what you do? So hi, (laughs) Um, lovely to be here. Thanks for having me. 30 second elevator pitch on who I am. I am a multitasking um, happy, grateful entrepreneur. Um, I am a mutt, having come from four different cultures, three different religions, um, two different countries, and um, now very happily living in England for over 20 years, building indie-based snacks. Amazing. I love how in that you spoke so much. You didn't speak about Indie Bay until right at the end. You covered so much more first. So that is really amazing. So to start with, it's a bit of a tradition on the podcast that I ask some quick fire questions. They're all about food. So just to kind of get us interested in what you like. Sweet or savory? Savory. Juicy burger or overloaded salad? Overloaded salad for sure. Ice cream or sorbet? Depends on the weather and the flavor. Mm. Uh, watermelon sorbet. Yeah, that sounds good. Or uh, coffee chocolate chip ice cream. Oh, that sounds really nice. Crisps or popcorn? Popcorn. Cook in or eat out? I should say or pretzels, actually. Uh, pretzels, yeah. <laughs> good one. Cook in or eat out? Uh, cook in, probably. And what is your favorite delivery? What is my favorite delivery? Uh, I go through phases, but probably uh, a balance between Marouche and Leon. Marouche is my favorite. It's so good. I've never, I don't think I'd ever eat in there. I don't even know if you can eat in, but yeah, it's such a good takeaway. In, in the olden days, we used to go um, clubbing out in Mayfair and then um, hit the Marouche um around the corner at about 2 a.m. They were one of the few places still open and um, we'd get their wraps and it was just the perfect 2 a.m. snack after a night out. Oh, God, it's so nice. 
So before we talk about indie-based snacks and all things food, I want to touch on your career before indie-based snacks because your career from my research sounds super interesting. So could you give us kind of like a brief overview about what you did before indie-bay? Absolutely. So um, I am a big believer in getting the best skills that you can from the best teachers you can find early on in your career. So just attaching your wagon to the smartest people you know and learning from the best. And so that was one very strong theme. The other was I started with really big companies and I've progressively moved to smaller and smaller um, businesses until I started my own. So I started off in Procter & Gamble in Cincinnati. Cincinnati, Ohio is the global base for Procter & Gamble. Um, They are, for those who don't know, they are one of the world's largest FMCG manufacturers. And so everything from laundry detergent to oil of ole soap and and moisturizer to coffee um, and Pantene shampoo. And so I was in the brand group there, which was amazing. And I kept moving from, um, from... that large consumer business to smaller and smaller. I went into strategy consulting to understand how to analyze businesses, how to look at problems and markets and think strategically. And that was with McKinsey, um, who are just incredible. And uh, I would highly recommend for anyone who has a chance to work with them to go ahead and do that. Um, And then um, continued to spin out smaller and smaller until I started my foundation, um, Founders for Good, uh, and through that started working with Jamie Oliver. And Jamie introduced me to the world of um, food in the UK and the importance of rethinking the way we eat, which eventually led to Indie Based Snacks. God, amazing. And I can just see how you'd have taken like so much from all of those stages, then go into your own company. Like that's just amazing. Like working with Procter & Gamble, I mean, wow, that is really, really, really cool. So going on to the snack market, you then kind of had you noticed something about the snack market you there was something that wasn't quite right could you explain like what issue you were having with the snack market before you started in Bay? sure so I think I'm pretty typical in that um, I've been snacking more and more I think you know the more you read the more you realize that people are snacking driving more of their calories from snacks Um, during the day we're all in a rush we're all running around between things and so it's become quite typical to have something um, not just with your office lunch or whatever but also just in your bag as you're going to the gym or um, or taking a flight or whatever it might be Um, and that became even more complicated when I had kids because I realized that the kids need snacks snacks after school snacks um, you know in their lunchbox and there was just nothing out there that I felt that I could give to the kids and feel good about. There was nothing that I thought would really fuel their brain, fuel their body, give them energy, but that they would feel cool about, that they would want to pull out of their bag, and um, and frankly, that I would want to eat too. I'm not one of those people that has like 20 different brands for every life stage in my drawer. I want food that we as a family can enjoy together, and they're just wasn't anything there for less than kind of the 10 pound a bag super gourmet handmade stuff that's just not sustainable um and so I decided to you know to look into making something myself I think that when there is a big problem entrepreneurs find the solutions um that's how I was raised and that's what I set out to do with Indie Bay and that became clear when Jamie um 
talked about the rising obesity crisis, and I realized this wasn't just about my family. Um, this was a big problem happening across the UK and around the world. People are um, struggling with their weight. Obesity is becoming a bigger problem. We know that in the NHS, you know, we pay double the amount for a, a supporting a severely obese patient than we do someone in it with a healthy BMI. And um, that comes down to all of us because we, the taxpayers, are ultimately paying for that. So I thought, okay, there's a really big problem, not just in my family, but in society. And I decided to be part of the solution. Amazing. I even read a quote that you said, if you're not part of the solution, then you're part of the problem. So yeah, I guess that's definitely where Indie Based Snack came in. So you were like, okay, I want to be the solution or help to be the solution for this. How did you go about that? So, you know, I think that um, being an entrepreneur or starting a business can be really daunting at first, right? Because you stand back and you know where you want to get to, but it's very hard to know how to get from where you are to that kind of ultimate vision. And I have this... um, I always think of Dr. Seuss and the American children's book writer who talks about just taking the first step, just starting down that path. And um, I think that's really one of the secrets of being a happy entrepreneur is having a really strong sense of where you want to get to, what the vision is, but being really flexible about the steps that you need to go to in order to get there. You just have to get going. You just have to start and believe in your ability to pivot, to respond, to figure it out as you go, because you're not going to be able to predict everything that comes up. So I started with a piece of paper. I wrote what um, the outline of what I wanted. I wanted um, to focus on pretzels because I love pretzels, but they're also inherently healthy. Um, They're baked, they're not fried, they um, are a perfect conduit for delicious and healthy ingredients. Um, I always bake pancakes, which in my mind are kind of similar. The traditional pancake is white flour and really has zero value from a nutritional point of view, but I remade them at home. I used to make them with spelt flour and um, and different ancient grains and nuts and seeds, and I would make them vegan, take out the, the um, animal products and, and use flaxseed instead and things like that. And I thought, okay, how can I take that mentality, the pancake recipe, and bring it to pretzels that had really not been reinvented in my lifetime. Um, Everything out there was kind of the same. And um, I started with that plan, and then I went out there and started to convince others to join the journey. And the first person I spoke to was a woman named Lucy, um, who's wonderful, and she is a food technologist. And she helped me take that vision and take the flavors that I had in my mind, take the plan and convert it into an actual product. Um, Then we went to the next stage was to figure out who can make it. Um, And slowly like that, one by one step at a time, one by one, we we figured it out. And uh, it took about a year from the original idea, which came to me on a run in Regent's Park, um, until the first products hit the market. Wow, there's so much that I kind of resonate with with that. Like one of my kind of quotes I live by is like, just do it. And sometimes that gets me in trouble because I do things before I properly thought about it. And then I'm like, oh, okay. But I think you learn so much just from doing it and you can only plan so much ahead. You kind of just got to learn as you go. Exactly. I think especially if you have, you know, I, I, I do recommend spending 
some time upfront planning. And um, I think, you know, having a really good sense of what success looks like for you, what you're trying to achieve is a really important first step. And then writing a general outline of how you think you're going to get there. What are the main steps that you think you're going to have to, um, you're going to have to take? What are the potential challenges that you might um, come across? How competitive is that market? You know, thinking about those general themes up front, I would highly recommend. Mm. Um, but that's not to deter you from doing it. That's really just so that you have a sense of where those first steps should be and how to use your time properly. Um, after that, it's really about faith and believing in yourself, believing in your ability to understand and to learn. And, and it's about people surrounding yourself with really smart, great people from whom you can learn, with whom you can brainstorm, um, with whom you love working um, and figuring it out as you go. There's a lot of that when you're an entrepreneur, yeah, for sure. Definitely, definitely. And can you um, explain a little bit about what those first flavors were that you started with? Sure. So we started with um, Indie Bay Pretzel Bites. And um, I loved that first product because it really reinvented every single aspect of the pretzel. It, we changed the shape. We went from those sticks and crosses to round ones that looked like gorgeous kind of shiny hazelnuts um they also um because of their shape they were super crunchy super satisfying and really moorish you just kind of pop them in your mouth um like you would um i don't know nuts or something which was uh, which was really fun um we created them in three flavors the um the thing that that the most popular one um uh the, well the thing that they both all had in common was ancient grains. So they all had clean ancient grains in the dough. At the beginning, actually, we had three different ancient grains and three different doughs. Um, and that proved to be rather complicated to sustain. So we um, streamlined based on customer feedback. We really listened to our snackers and understood what they liked best, what worked for them, um, and focused on those ingredients that, that the consumers and snackers wanted most, um, which ended up being spelt. But we started with those bites, and the first was a um, just a spelt with rock salt on the outside, which is kind of like the vanilla, the the entry flavor, the most popular, the easiest for people to enjoy, um, and really popular across all ages. Um, we also created a quinoa and super seed bite in the beginning. Um, super seeds remains my favorite flavor. It has toasted sesame seeds and poppy seeds and has that kind of nutty deliciousness on the outside and amazingly delivers almost as much protein as an egg. Um, and so a little bag is almost five grams of protein and, um, and really, uh, satisfying. And I have it on my salads. I have it on my granola. I have it alone. Um, so it's still my favorite. And the third was a cracked black pepper. Um, and interestingly, cracked black pepper ended up being very polarizing. So people really either didn't get it or absolutely were passionately in love with it. And it won lots of awards. Um, certain communities really embraced it um, from a feedback point of view. Um, it got the best ratings from people who loved it. Um, but it was a real niche product. And our vision is very much to change snacking on a mass. So we want anyone who snacks to be able to find better for you snacks out there at an affordable price. We did not want niche small pocket products. Um, and so um, we decided to focus on the um, 
um, flavors and combinations that most people in most markets wanted to enjoy most frequently. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I love that you said, like, listen to your snackers because it's really easy to go on what you like because you're the one doing it, you're the one who's founded it and you've got the ideas. But ultimately, if you don't listen to your consumers, then what's the point in doing it in the first place? And I think that's such a good thing to mention because I think it's really easy just to listen to your own opinions. Um, But actually, the majority opinion is the most important, I guess, at the end of the day. Absolutely. I think it's a balance, to be honest. Steve Jobs often talked about how, you know, if he only went on research and he only listened to other people, he probably wouldn't have launched the iPhone. He wouldn't have launched a personal computer. People didn't realize they needed things before he invented them. And so I think it's a balance. I think that entrepreneurs who have a vision and an idea need to listen to that. And, you know, for anyone listening out there, I really um, support entrepreneurs with vision and with um, a strong um, concept of, of what could be different, where the niche is, where the opportunity lies. Uh, but then once you launch it, you really also need to, as, as you rightfully um, focusing on, listen to your snackers, listen to your customers. Procter & Gamble is all about research. Um, and that was really drilled into me very early in my career. Just ask your customers quantitative and qualitative research all the time to quantify um, the responses and the needs of your customers because it's a balance. You want to do what you believe they need, but at the same time, you also want it to work for um, your customer. You want it to work for their lifestyle, for their price point, um, for what they're looking for, or else, frankly, you're never going to succeed. Your best idea will kind of wither on the vine uh, because uh, it won't find an audience. So it's a balance. Yeah, no, for sure. And could you explain a little bit about why you chose the name Indie Bay? Yeah, so originally, you know, we we launched without a name. Um, Mm -hmm. We could not um, think of a name. And my sister-in-law suggested Indigo, to be completely honest. So um, Indie Bay was Indigo. Um, And in fact, we were so excited about Indigo, I ordered a huge neon Indigo sign for the office. And we designed our initial uh, bag designs with Indigo. And uh, then we realized that actually uh, there are thousands of indigos out there and uh, there were even some indigo bagged um, healthy um, ingredient manufacturers in the UK Uh, and I and I thought why would we be investing so much time effort and money in a brand and building a brand name that we didn't really own that was uh, that overlapped with so many other brands out in the market and I think that's really important you want you know when you think of the big brands out there you think of Ben and Jerry's or Nike or whatever it is they're so distinctive they really stand for just one company and I thought okay Indigo is clearly not something that we can own and so we very quickly um, went back to the drawing board Indie Bay um, came together because on the one hand we are the indies of the snack business so in the same way that there's indie music or indie art you know and if you think about indie films um, indie films tend to be from smaller manufacturers they're better for you right you almost kind of feel smarter when you finish watching an indie film you've discovered something new Um, you've learned about yourself you've learned about something that you didn't know about before Um, and they're kind of 
kind of smarter and um, more flexible, more someone who's indie is less of a conformist. um, And we are the indie of the snack world. We are not the big manufacturers who make um, those really bad for you, massive uh, bagged snacks. We are coming at it from a very different angle. And Bay, because I am inspired by California. I lived in California for many years. I went to university there and then I worked there afterwards. I'm not originally from California, but I I wish I was, and I've kind of adopted um, California sunny mentality, and I wanted that um, that frame of mind to influence everything that we did in in Indie Bay um, in the snacking world, and so that's Indie Bay. I love that, and also it's got such a story behind it. It's not just oh, because it sounded good. Like there's so much behind that name so that's really really great yeah it's something that I think we really refer back to as a business we come back to um, our name and the the roots of behind the name as well as the values all the time in team meetings and in in decision making uh, when we when we have to come down one side or another on something we think okay what's true to our values what's true to our name Um, and that helps guide us needless to say I needed to get rid of the first neon sign and order another one (laughs) with the new name it's so annoying oh, I've had that I actually well I've got kind of two similar situations but I rebranded really recently I mean I, within the first year I already rebranded because it just didn't feel like it was true to me because someone else helped me do it and it just wasn't right and I had a massive big sign I had all the caps all the t-shirts I had the whole lot everything yeah. and I was like oh it just doesn't feel right you knew in your gut yeah it just yeah. wasn't right and I've still got all that stuff sat at home because I can't quite throw it out because I know you should, but I just can't yet. Um, But ultimately it's the right decision. But I've got something similar where there is now a greedy vegan food van driving around and I'm like, oh, where have you come from? Yeah, Have you registered the name? I have, yeah, and they haven't. But at the same time... You can ask them to stop? Yeah. Very nicely with a a little email. Yeah. uh, You can ask them to stop. But I think, you know, it's so true. Like, you want to be... All these names are memorable and you want to be the one that's remembered. You don't want to be competing on... You've got enough competition without trying to compete on names. And it it takes a lot to build a brand, right? So you want to know that you're investing in something that you will ultimately own and the consumers will find helps them... um, help them identify you on the shelf help them spot you they don't you don't want to create confusion no exactly exactly well I think the name's great and I love that story I had absolutely no idea that it had so much uh thought behind it so that's so nice um so I want to go quickly on to the ingredients so clean ingredients as you already mentioned like the spelt is really important to you um can you explain a bit more about why those clean ingredients mean so (coughs) much to you as a brand and why you wanted because Ultimately, these clean ingredients are more expensive than some of the other ingredients that other brands use. So why has it been such an important part for you to use these ingredients? You're absolutely right in spotting that these ingredients are more expensive. And I think that that is a fundamental um, decision that we had to make early on. Our products probably cost us two or maybe even three times as much to make as any other pretzel in the market. And yet we sell them for the same price. That means our, our margin is smaller, to be honest. But um, the, um, the underlying concept is that we deliver more and we believe in our customers and our consumers. We believe that they value those ingredients. And just as I learned about the importance of, um, of 
benefits and nutritional added value in what I eat. So I think most customers out there are learning. So clean ingredients are really critical, I think, for three reasons. One is because of those added benefits, because I think we demand more from our food now. We don't want empty calories. We don't, even if they're low calories, I mean, I don't, I've kind of stopped eating popcorn. I don't want to just fill myself with air. I want to actually fill myself with food that's both delicious and nutritious, that delivers something. And I want my kids to eat that too. And that's why fiber, protein, vitamin E, all of those delicious ingredients that go into our um, products enhance your nutritional profile for the day. So that's number one. Number two is because I really, um, believe that we don't even fully understand the impact of the junk that we're putting in our body. I just, um, we know that it can't be good for us, right? Uh, but all the preservatives and additives and um, e-numbers that we don't even understand, um, those cannot possibly be doing anything good for, for us. And so if I have an alternative, if I can actually get the same delicious satisfaction without those additives and preservatives, why wouldn't I? Um, and so that's the other thing. I just think that in the long term, it's got to be better for us. Um, and number three is because of the um, because of the uh, obesity problem, to be honest. And that's why I love eating at home. I love cooking. I know what's in my food. And the closest thing to knowing what's in your food is seeking uh, products in the supermarket in, in in your high street that are clean because it's as close to making it at home. You can look at the back of the bag and you can see exactly what went in. You can imagine someone mixing it with a spoon in a bowl um, and putting it in the oven. And um, and I think that's really important and helps to, um, to keep our food healthy uh, without um, extra fat, extra sugar, um, and all of those things that we really don't don't need in our bodies so true and it's so nice to hear a brand wanting to actually provide something healthy for the consumers because often the end goal is kind of the margin but you're sacrificing your margin because you want the consumers to eat the right thing I feel like that's quite rare nowadays like I wanted to touch on um healthy people can't see me doing inverted commas from the air (laughs) but like healthy food and snacks because there's a lot out there which people will eat because they think it's healthy but actually if they turned it around (laughs) and had a look at the packet it's not healthy and it's one of those things that really annoy me oh me too it annoys me it upsets me and I feel like big brands and big manufacturers are really taking advantage of that and put forward kind of there are regulations, so they can't come out with completely false claims, but they hint at things through um, different adjectives, through packaging, through images on their products that suggest that the product is healthy when actually it's not. And I include in that all of the fake sugar substitutes that people are now putting in. So in order to be non-HFSS compliant, um, that's high fat salt sugar for those who don't know, the government's really trying to help consumers limit high fat salt and sugar foods. And so, so many of the products have reformulated with chemicals. So taking out the sugar, taking out the fat, but to put in things that um, if we saw uh, and if we understood the chemical process in these big chemical vats in some factory, we would never choose to put in our food. Um, But we don't know because it's presented as lower fat or lower sugar. So we think it's good for us. It makes me really upset. I think that we are just in doing that 
manufacturers are substituting one problem for another. And ultimately, um, we need to educate consumers and say it it is possible to snack healthy and not like a rabbit. Um, It is possible to snack with satisfying, delicious, salty, flavorful, um, even sweet snacks. We have chocolate-covered bites, for example, that are um, the dark chocolate ones are vegan-friendly. The milk chocolate are not, but they're delicious and indulgent and um, and do not have sugar substitute, do not have fat substitute, and yet are nearly half the fat, um, depending on, on, the, um, on the comparison you make. They're just so much better for you. So it's possible to make really smart decisions if you flip the bag. So everyone out there, flip the bag, look at the back, yeah. read the small print. Um, so it true. makes a difference. It really does. And like, I guess, you know, some people just aren't foodies, they don't have time, they don't, they kind of trust the brands maybe too much and they kind of think, oh, it says, it says green smoothie, so it's going to be amazing for me. Or it says like, you know, healthy granola, it's going to be great, but like the hidden sugars or the things. Granola can be more fattening than kind of a Mars bar. Yeah. (laughs) It can be so. Yeah. I mean, I got sent some. I'm never going to name names on here, but I got sent some granola and it was like, we'd love to like be featured in Greedy Vegan. And I was just like, oh my God, I cannot believe what this is saying. So yeah, the more you look, the more you see as well. So if you suddenly get an interest of turning over the packet, you'll probably be obsessed by it. And it's so nice to get a brand who actually cares about what they're putting in their product because I just think it's so rare and it's probably going to get rarer when prices are increasing generally so more brands are cutting corners and that's so true it's really hard to make the economics of brands like ours work to be honest we we really focus on every single you know fraction of a penny in packaging in 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 delivery so that we can spend our money on great ingredients Um, and um, it takes a lot of time and a lot of effort but I think it's worth it because it's not just about cutting out the the fat and sugar and bad stuff it's really about making sure there's good stuff in there too it's really important to us that we deliver more of the good stuff that we deliver those benefits the protein the fiber um the vitamins and um and the healthy the healthy grains Mm. um and uh and for those who take a second to flip the bag and they will see that that there are really really better things in there for themselves and their family yeah I guess kind of goes back to what you're saying about you go back to the name and I guess it goes back to the reason why you started it in the first place like your aim was to do good and make people feel better and to eat well and to fill them with the good stuff and why would you start not doing that just to save yeah it just doesn't make sense so it's part of our ethos you know more of the good stuff is is kind of one of the slogans that we use because it's so real it's just actually how we talk about our product yeah but I think it's a life set it's a life mindset too you know it's it's I, I believe that you you put in everything you can into your friendships, into your family, into your sports, into whatever it is that you love. And when you put effort in, you get rewards out. Um, I think that, you know, the, the, the things that are really worthwhile take effort. And the really, really important things um, don't come easily, but um, are always um, so wonderful when, when you, they are achieved, when you do reach the goals that you've set for yourself. And it's that mentality of you 
get out what you put into life um, to everything and everyone that you love and so that's why I invest so much in my team I love my team and I love my kids I love my dogs I love my husband you know I spent a tremendous amount of time and energy on the things that matter to me mm. including these little pretzels yeah no it's it's so important and it it shows like it's a really really great product and you guys are growing like year on year month by month so it just shows that we're we're growing more than 100 percent this year that's um, amazing which is really great we thought after after covid where we grew really quickly and really well that that that, you know growth will continue we hoped but but slow um and actually it hasn't slowed it's really picked up and um it's really exciting to see more people discovering indie bay and um and recognizing what a special what a special range we're bringing yeah no that's really really great and i wanted to go on to slightly like the snack market in in general so when you started to now can you explain about like the difference that you've seen working in the industry how the market has changed Absolutely. So I think that there's, um, we, you need to look at the market changes from the um, from the retail side. So what products are out there and what's available, and from the consumer side, like what consumers are actually looking for. I think when we first started, um, the healthier, uh, clean product and snack world was quite niche there weren't that many um, consumers aware of it and they were willing they were it was the early adopter small um, or driven by health needs so there was like the free from section in all of the big stores and um, you went there if you were celiac or if you um, had a real kind of health concern but otherwise you looked at the main snack shelf and it was generally sorry but I hope I can say all crap yeah Um, and um, it was uh, huge bags of of fat and sugar that um, delivered nothing good for you Um, and there were some products beginning um, to be developed but they tended to be very expensive small batch handmade some of them really really delicious and really good for you, but um, not scalable, not sustainable, and frankly, not really something that most consumers and most families could have in their kitchen and just enjoy every day. It was just too expensive, too special. Um, With time, what's happened is that the consumer awareness has changed. We now hear that over 51% of consumers are saying they're going to change their snack choices from fat and sugar and chocolate to protein driven and fiber driven benefit driven snacks that's unbelievable mm-hmm. 51% is um, it, it means that we've kind of crossed the tipping point uh, in a sense and um, that the uh, rate of awareness and consumption then will accelerate um, because we've we have this critical mass of consumers who are now aware of how important it is to uh, look for those benefits in their snacks. And with that kind of consumer awareness and demand, of course, comes great innovation. Entrepreneurs spot the opportunity and figure out new ways of doing it. So we are the only ones out there who deliver pretzels, baked healthy pretzels with these benefits. Um, And um, that is really exciting for us and, and, and wonderful that we can bring that to customers. But there are other really interesting products that have come up, protein bars and smoothies and drinks that are delivering um, clean, low-fat, low-sugar um, products with benefits um, to meet that consumer awareness and demand. So suddenly um, you could really just live by 
choosing those sorts of cleaner, better products out there. In the past, you just the, just there weren't enough choices. Um, you, you couldn't find what you were looking for. And today, if you're looking for it, there's some really exciting brands to, to explore and to discover. Yeah, no, it is a really exciting market. And it's so good that more consumers are aware of what they're eating. I do think that it probably has a slight link towards the kind of rise in the plant-based movement a little bit. And I kind of wanted to touch on that as well. Like, what's your view personally on like the plant-based movement how do you and your family eat with that in mind do you adopt that sometimes is it more flexible like where do you kind of stand with it all so uh, you're absolutely right I think that the um that 51 percent number that I quoted um the consumers are looking for um, protein and benefits I think that um is based very much on the awareness of plant-based eating and the importance of clean ingredients and just thinking more critically about what we put in our body. I just think when my mom, you know, uh, cooked a, a family dinner, she, they, people just didn't think about that in the same way. Um, before we started recording, we were talking about how, you know, people did not spend as much time obsessing about food. Um, and we're so passionate about food. When you think about how many accounts there are on Instagram or TikTok about food, we just, we are now a food-obsessed, food-loving culture. Um, I think that permeates um, into our, my family and my home as well. Um, I have raised three kids who, I have to say, will eat absolutely anything. Um, they, um, they, our eldest actually went to cooking school and is a really passionate chef, um, but she is gluten-free and dairy-free, so she manages to uh, create these delicious meals for all of us um, that um, avoid certain things that she has found um, that she feels better avoiding. The rest of us actually eat everything, um, but we definitely, we've cut out red meat. Um, red meat just doesn't feel um, as necessary anymore, to be honest. I don't, I, I know it works for some people. I, I, I'm really um, a believer in kind of not passing judgment. People need to make their own decisions. But in our family, we find that um, we eat probably 50% of our meals plant-based and 50% of our meals um, some form of a clean protein, so a chicken or a fish, um, 50% of our dinners, I should say. Um, and, um, and all, all, all three of the kids as well as my husband have embraced that. And, um, and there's just no issue. I can't speak to what they eat when they leave the house, um, <laughs> but, um, I'd like to think that they've been influenced by, by the way they were raised and, and what we eat at home. I think as a mother, it's really important to say that we all eat everything. I think that's really, that's a good position to be in. And ultimately you have the education to make the decisions and what, as a child or when you grow up like what you do with that decision is kind of up to you but I think it's really good to say like you know we eat everything but we've decided to kind of do absolutely and our rule is you don't have to finish but you have to try mm. so when I was raised I had the most incredible mom who ran our um, dinner table like a restaurant so every we had I'm um, one of three kids and we would each say what we wanted for dinner and my mom would make three different meals Wow. Um, God bless her soul. She was incredible. Um, uh, that was an approach that I decided not to embrace with <laughs> my kids. And so I went the other way. I um, decided that I would make one meal for everyone. I would try to make food that they would love. I'd try not to make things that I know they don't like. 
um, and force them to to eat it. And then once I create the food, I just ask them to taste it. And I make sure there's always something on the table that they love so they won't go hungry. Um, they have to taste it. They have to try it. And as a result, now that they're all kind of getting older, they will eat everything. They really, there's certainly things they like more than others. Um, but they, my, my youngest one will even proudly say that she can even eat spicy food now um, <laughs> because over the years she's tried um, a little bit of, of those spicier dishes and um, realized that she actually loves them. That's really good. No, that's really, really great. And now I want to go on to a bit about you and how you balance your time between living and breathing Indie Bay, which I'm sure you probably think about it every second of every day, being a mother of three children and then also having your time, seeing your friends and doing what you like to do. So how do you balance it? How do you find the time to balance it? And yeah. So, you know, it's a work in progress, to be completely <laughs> honest. Uh, it's And it's not it's not easy. Uh, I don't want to lie. It's, uh, I I think you can tell, I really am passionate about Indie Bay. I love what we're doing and I love the business that we're building together as a team. But I love my family. I was really put on this earth to be um, a mom and a wife and an entrepreneur, all those three things. And I think they need to coexist. And so juggling the different roles is um, a constant challenge. I think what helps is that Indie Bay is really consistent with my values. And so while I do think about it morning, noon, and night, it's not so different than what I think about anyway, right? I'm thinking about um, healthy choices. I'm thinking about um, healthy living and I'm thinking about better mindset to put forward what we believe in. And I bring that to everything that I do. Um, I used to be really strict about, or try to be strict about boundaries and say, okay, I'm going to stop at this time and really focus. I think when the kids were younger, um, that really served me well uh, because I wanted to do school runs at certain times or I wanted to go to the school play. I didn't want to miss things. It was really important to me that my kids knew that they were my priority and that when they needed me, I was there for them. I did not want to be one of those parents whose you know, kids kind of thought, you know, had to make those choices um and so that required boundaries that required um uh, modeling for them that you could be an entrepreneur you could be a businesswoman and still prioritize people you love when they need you um but so so the boundaries worked for a while now to be honest um i have fewer boundaries it's now very fluid so i just pop in and out of whatever um is happening in my life. I'm constantly working, but constantly parenting and constantly partnering with my husband and constantly friending my friends. And I just, um, it is all fluid. I think if I looked at the number of hours I spend, clearly Indie Bay takes the most. Um, but I will, I think um, COVID has really changed the way we work and that's allowed for that fluidity. I can work from home or I can work from wherever my kids are, where my husband wants me to be, um, and um, I can make those kind of transitions, smooth transitions possible, where three years ago I couldn't. Mm. So um, there are, you know, while COVID was terrible and so difficult for so many, there were definitely some silver linings, including that new fluidity in how we live and work. Yeah, for sure. It is, yeah, it definitely has a lot of positives with that. And what about... um, 
how do you spend time for yourself like do you have things in the day that you need to do in order to be I don't know do you do exercise do you write in a journal do you like what kind of things do you do that kind of you need to do in order to be able to be present if that makes sense I think I mean the answer is yes absolutely um the fluidity applies here too so I'd like to say oh I meditate every single day or I work out every single day and the reality is I want to do that every single day um, I think a lot of forgiveness has to come into <laughs> making um, being a, a parent and an entrepreneur work. You have to forgive yourself a lot because uh, you're rarely able to do either one or the other to the 120% that you want to do it. There is always some compromise. Um, but in general, yes, I try to work out five days a week. I, um, I'm kind of at the life stage where I kind of use it or lose it. So <laughs> I, um, I really feel that I need to work out every day. I wake up early. I have a Peloton, which is also a COVID thing. Um, and that helps. I love yoga. Um, I also find that, yes, meditation, um, when I manage to do it, um, it makes such an incredible difference. It really sets, if I meditate first thing in the morning, it sets my day off right. And I, and I feel so different throughout the day if I started it with a 10, 15 minute meditation. Um, but I'm one of those people that can't meditate in the middle of the day. So if I didn't do it first thing, I won't do it at all. Like in the day then just runs and slips away. Um, but yeah, exercise, meditation. I've been journaling since I was about four years old, five years old. Wow. I have literally huge drawers full of journals. Um, that's not every single day. There, there's always a journal behind my bed um, that I can write in if I'm upset about something or happy about something before I go to sleep. Um, I write. I try to write some things I'm grateful for before I go to sleep if I have a chance. So that, that's always there. Um, and over years, it just those have accumulated, and so you really have a sense of kind of my journey, my life through wow. those books. My best friend has promised to burn them if anything were to ever happen to me, <laughs> so that no one would read them um, because um, you know they're they're quite personal. But um, but I find that um, journaling is a fantastic way of kind of remembering to be grateful and finding order in the chaos that that you feel sometimes during the day so yeah I think that's really good in terms of especially when it comes to meditation it makes you feel present in what you're doing like I I I wouldn't say I have tried very hard to meditate I have tried a few times but not hard enough like I can't quite master it yet and I think it's something you've got to master because you have to be very present and I think it helps you be present in the moment which I think for someone like you who are juggling lots of different things, it's really important to be, when you've decided to focus on something in those couple of hours, it's really important to be present doing that thing. So I can imagine meditation is really good at making you present in, in those moments, yeah. which I haven't quite mastered that yet. But Highly recommended. I discovered, I mean, I'd heard about it and I thought about meditating for so long. I think so many of us hear about these things that think, oh, I should, that would be nice, but we don't really get around to doing it. And my... Mom, unfortunately, passed away a few years ago, and um, I found that period really, really difficult, and I couldn't, uh, I, I, I couldn't sleep. I think when we're deep in our grief, it's very hard to let go and, um, and fall asleep, and I met Andy, the founder of Headspace at that time, and Andy had been a monk. 
um, and had learned how to meditate um, amongst um, amongst his his uh, fellow monks and has had decided to come back to the West and and bring that with him. And I started listening. He, he convinced me. I started listening to to Headspace. And I meditated twice a day during those weeks, uh, morning and night. And I don't know how I would have gotten through without it, to be honest. Um, Andy, Headspace, and my grief therapist were the two things that got me through that very, very difficult period. And um, ever since then, I've continued to meditate as often as I can, not twice a day. I'm lucky if I manage to do it once a day. Um, but I do try to do it every single day. Some days, I'm, even when I manage to sit down, meditating is hard. Some days my mind's all over the place and I can't calm down, but I'm told that that's part of the process, that yeah. I should just persevere. Yeah, it's something that I definitely, I feel like I would benefit from it because I'm really, really bad at just sitting and relaxing. Like everyone always says, just sit down and relax. And I just struggle. So I do think that it is something that I should try and master, but I think it's a long, it's not a quick fix. I think it's a ten, just start with 10 minutes. Yeah. And you know, someone actually this weekend, I was talking to a friend about this and, and when your mind wanders and you're trying to meditate and you're, you're thinking about your to-do list or the movie you saw last night or who won Love Island or whatever it is, you, um, you're told to just kind of bring your mind back just every time it drifts just literally almost like I don't know a dog on a lead that's running off and you have to kind of pull the lead and just bring them back and that is like doing weights at the gym that is the flex every time your mind wanders it's like your hands going down with that dumbbell and every time you bring it back it's the dumbbell coming back up you're flexing the muscle you're bringing it back in and that's okay it's that flex and release of the weight that builds muscle strength and it's that kind of wander and bring back that brings mindfulness and I hadn't ever thought of it that way but I think it makes tremendous sense Mm, yeah it's so true it does I'll try and work on it (laughs) so um another tradition that we always finish with I mean I literally could speak and talk to you all day I feel like you've got so much to talk about but I need to wrap it up at some point so I always ask people one of my favorite questions which is what would be your last meal starter main course and dessert uh my last meal uh it uh, let me think i think it's it cha- it changes yeah i love so many things that's a problem it's not hard to think about it about um about for anything so it's just about hard to choose one thing um i think my starter would have to be something super fresh um, like cold iceberg lettuce with lots of fresh, crunchy vegetables and indie based super seeds as the croutons, of course, um, and some yummy, tangy yozu and lemony dressing. Something really, um, really tangy and delicious would be my um, my starter. My main course would probably be um, my daughter's uh, sweet potato that she makes she makes these vegan stuffed sweet potatoes Mm. and she makes this delicious fresh tomato sauce full of vegetables and beans and all of these um really earthy flavors um i always think that she's like cheating and adding sugar or something to the sauce because it's so sweet and so flavorful but it's but 
she swears, and I believe her, um, <laughs> that it's just um, these delicious ingredients she puts in on sweet potatoes. Um, and then as um, dessert, it would have to be chocolate chip cookies, warm chocolate chip cookies. Oh. Um, that is the influence of many years in America, and I'm just obsessed. That is still the ultimate indulgence for me. I can resist most things, but not warm chocolate chip cookies straight out of the Yeah, oven. I think I would probably agree with you. That is so nice. What a meal. That sounds delicious. Well, thank you so much for sparing some time. I know you've got lots of things to juggle, so I really appreciate it. I'm a big fan of Indie Bay. I think what you've created is amazing. I love your ethos behind it and that you're actually trying to do good, which is really rare to find in food brands nowadays. Everyone, like lots of people do, but not everyone. So I really appreciate your time. So thank you so much. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's been such fun speaking to you and um, for, you know, all your listeners, particularly women who are thinking about starting businesses, um, do it, just do it, go and just start, just do it. And, uh, and things will work out. Yeah, no, I could not agree more. Well, thanks so much. Thank you guys so much for listening. And I hope you learned something from this even if it is just to flip the bag and take a look at the packaging. Thanks again and see you next week.